Welcome to the Main Street to the World podcast, your passport to boundless travel inspiration and adventure. Brought to you by Coasters and Castles Travel, our podcast takes you on an exhilarating journey through a world of destinations and experiences. From the enchantment of Disney destinations and the thrills of Universal Studios parks and resorts, to the elegance of luxury travel and the tranquility of all-inclusive beach resorts. We delve into the diverse realms of travel. Join us as we explore the globe, sharing insights on theme park vacations, cruising, destination weddings, family travel, special needs travel, and so much more. Let your wanderlust be ignited and your horizons expanded as we unlock the treasures of travel together. And the hosts of the podcast are... Hi everyone, I'm April. I'm one of the owners of Coasters and Castles Travel and I love talking with you every week to tell you about our travel experiences and our opinions and recommendations. And I'm the proud mom of two kids that uh, love to travel with me. And hey everybody, I'm Whitney Maddox. Um, I have been a travel advisor with Coasters and Castles for seven years now. And um, I'm a homeschooling mom of two girls, so I always love to incorporate all that when we are in our travels. And we try to get down to Disney and other places every few months here and uh, keep all the good content coming to you so we can keep you updated on everything going on. And I'm Lynn. I'm the other owner of Coasts and Castles Travel. And I'm uh, kind of taking over the travel bug from my dad. My dad loved to travel. And never expected to be doing this in my life but this is where my path has has brought me we are you know exploring the world at this point now we started with areas we knew and checking out new destinations all the time and and happy to share that welcome back to the main street to the world podcast and we are continuing on with our supplier series and we are super excited to welcome steven from ama waterways and Stephen, I apologize. I don't know how to say your last name, so I'll let you say that. It's Bajaka, Stephen okay. Bajaka. So we're super excited to have you on with us today. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get started. Um, April, can you start with the first question? Sure. So what makes Ama Waterways different from other river cruise lines? So that's a great uh, question, April. So our, our current president and CEO, was actually instrumental in starting two other river cruise companies, their, their river cruise product back in first in the 80s. Uh, this is Rudy Schreiner, our president and CEO. He started the river cruise product for, um, uh, for, I can't, I'm losing, I lost my train of thought already. Oh gosh. Uh, Uniworld is the company. He started the product for Uniworld back in the 80s. And then in the middle 90s, he was the very first president for Viking River Cruises. Got that company started, designed all of their ships, designed their programs, their itineraries. And then in 2003, he decided he wanted to start his own river cruise company. So he was very innovative. So for us, the differences, the AMA differences are fewer passengers on our long ships, uh, more options, more included options in our excursions, five to seven different uh, options you can choose from every day, uh, better, uh, a higher level of cuisine, fine wines every day included in your pricing, and also a sip and sail every night that we include where we open the bar for more than just beer and wine, but cocktails and spirits. So these are some of the things that uh, differentiate us from some of our competitors. That sounds super cool. 
Um, so you mentioned long ships and this is river cruises where a little bit, I know they're a little bit different, but our uh, listeners may not know. Can you explain the difference between a long ship and what a regular cruise ship might be? That's a great question, Lynn. So the long ships are what you would see uh, on the longer rivers, the, the, the Rhine and the Danube rivers. And this is meant, uh, the long ship refers to uh, the length and the width of the ship and how it fits through the lock system. So all ships um, all river cruise ships are built to the same specs, uh, depending on what river they're on. So on the Rhine and the Danube rivers, uh, we have our long ships, and they would uh, be 443 feet long and uh, 38 feet wide. Okay, so they look like long, almost like a pencil. And then what you do with the space is what differentiates the different river cruise companies for AMA waterways. A uh, ship like that, we would put 156 passengers on that ship with about 50 crew members, and many of our competitors would put 180, 190, and even sometimes 200 passengers on a ship that size. So for us, we you know we can talk about the fact that there's uh, many less passengers on the ship, with, which leaves us with much more space in the, in the staterooms, 30 to 40 more square feet uh, per most of the staterooms, and much more space in the public areas. So that's something that we do like to talk about. Okay, great. April, what's your next question? So I know we're slowly waiting to get back to cruising and very excited about the opportunity, but do you have any idea of what protocols might be in place for, for the COVID situation? That's a, that's a great question, April. And we do actually, because uh, we, we were the only river cruise company in North America to actually sail in Europe last year. So we sailed almost a complete season on the Rhine. We sailed from July through the middle of November. And this afforded us uh, the experience and knowledge of what the protocol was at the time. We suspect it will be similar when when we start sailing again in Europe. Um, and we'll go through some of the things there. So on a ship that uh, the ship we used took 156 passengers and the, the EU governments were allowing 100 passengers. So roughly two thirds was the capacity. Uh, and then we had to obviously adhere to social distancing on the ship so that our clients, our guests, uh, when walking down narrow corridors, had to wear face coverings when they entered the guest lounge or either of the restaurants and were seated, they could take that covering off. Same thing when they went up to the sun deck, when they got up there, they could take the face covering off. Uh, with regard to excursions off of the ship, this was limited to 15 passengers in a group, which for us worked out quite well because that is our standard group size. So that, you know, that was something that made us feel pretty good. Uh, whereas many of our competitors might take 30, 40, uh, or, or even 50 passengers on one standard excursion, uh, that was limited uh, last year. So those are those are a couple of things that we anticipate. The other thing that we we learned from this this great experience was the fact that we we took out the buffets. No more buffet stations, right? So um, you then you end up with much more space in your dining rooms. You can further socially distance. Uh, we do we are introducing a couple of serving stations. We've refitted our um, our restaurants this winter. It was a great opportunity for us to refit the restaurants so that we we would be in compliance with what we think 
uh, the protocol would be for this coming year. And the other thing that we did was we added an outdoor dining option on the sun deck. We took about a third of the sun deck uh, under an awning and said, if people want to have this option to eat lunch or dinner outside, um, and obviously weather providing, um, that worked out very well for us too. So and the last thing I will state about our experience on the Rhine last year was that we, in four and a half months of sailing, and we after the first week, we sold out every single week. We, we were at 100 passengers every week. We did not have one case of COVID. So it may, made us feel good. Our crew sort of understands how it works. Uh, we sanitized luggage. We did, we did temperature checks, things like that. So we feel pretty good about this. And also, we think that a lot of that experience comes from the fact that we also do cruises uh, in Southeast Asia and Africa, where these types of protocols are always in place, right? So these are different. Ah. These are different destinations where we know how to sanitize luggage. Uh, when people come back on the ship, we we sanitize their shoes and things like that. So we we had some pretty good experience going into this, but now we feel much more comfortable with whatever you know. Whenever we start sailing again, whether it's you know early summer, mid summer, we feel very good about um, how this is going to go for us. Hmm. That's really cool. Um, so you did mention already that you do sail in Southeast Asia, and you, you mentioned the Rhine and the Danube. Uh, where else does Ama Waterways sail? Great question. So most of our product uh, is in Europe, and the two most popular rivers, obviously, in North America for North Americans would be the Rhine and the Danube. But the, the Rhine River also has two offshoots, two smaller rivers, uh, the Mine and the Moselle River. So we do combinations of the Rhine, Moselle, and, and Mine Rivers. Uh, the Danube has two different itineraries, the upper Danube and the lower Danube. It's a very, very long river nautically. You could actually do two weeks on the Danube if you wanted to do upper and lower. And then in France, you have five different uh, options. They, they don't have long rivers in France. I'd say they're more like waterways. Uh, so we're doing the Seine River, the Rhone River, the Saône River, the Garonne River, the Dardone River. So these are rivers that people who are into French cuisine and wines would know these we know these regions, these areas, um, they're very popular. We're also on the Douro River in Portugal, which has become quite popular in the last five to seven years. Uh, and that is mostly Portugal, but it goes a little bit into Spain as well. Let's see if I'm leaving anything out. I don't, I don't think so. And in Africa, we're on the Chobi River in Botswana. And in Southeast Asia, we're on the Mekong River in Cambodia and uh, Vietnam. Okay, but what's next we have? Are there better times of year to sail or does it not matter? Well, in fact, it does matter. So, uh, and it's changed over the years as, as, uh, as the climate has changed and, and things like that. It used to be everybody wanted to sail in the summertime, right? You think of the sun's always out. It's the warmest. Uh, but in the last 10 or 15 years, that's changed some as the, as the, the climate has changed some. So what you have now is I think the best times now are late spring, uh, say late April, May into early June, and then you have uh, you know September, October, even early November because it's not as as cool or, or as wet as it used to be uh, in these months. So you you end up with these sort of nice shoulder seasons, if I could use that term, where it's not you know you're not paying peak airfare, let's say, and maybe the cabins are not peak rates. Um, I, I'd say the two best months, probably June and September that everybody looks for. But certainly if you're, if your guests, if your clients are looking for a deal, you know, we would always uh, kind of steer them towards, you know, April and May and October and November where the weather holds up 
quite nicely in, in most parts of Europe still. Now, and that actually brings me into another question that I thought of uh, afterwards. Um, I know I've heard about there can be issues with river cruises if the water levels on the rivers drop. How does that affect AMA waterways? That's a, another phenomenal question. Um, I mentioned earlier that Rudy ran two other river cruise companies, and he had experience with this, and it wasn't a great experience back in the early 2000s. So when he when he started AMA Waterways, one of his big goals was to build ships uh, with very low draft, meaning that you know not to put a lot of heavy materials on the ship. You won't find a lot of Italian marble on the ship or glass or heavy woods, mahogany, things like that, uh, because it tends to make the uh, the ship sit down lower in the water, right? So a couple of years ago, there was an issue, 2018, there was an issue with low waters, as we call them, low waters on the Danube and, and parts of the Rhine. And uh, we we did grade out at the top of the uh, top of the chart from, from cruise critic uh, with regard to how we handle the low waters. And out of over a thousand sailings that year in Europe, we only had to cancel uh, one sailing. So wow. uh, we did we did relatively well, better than our competitors. And if you look at the ship and, and what's on the ship and how many folks it holds, um, that ship our ships can sail in three feet of water. Which and I was sailing that. Uh, that fall, uh, I took a few groups out, and in many cases on the bend of the Rhine or the Danube, you'd have about three and a half, four feet of water. So it was a challenge, but we we did quite well. So that's a great question. Awesome! Wow, that's amazing. So who is like the ideal guest? You know, who is the person that would be interested in one of your river cruises? And is it adult only, or are kids allowed on board? So this is something that is evolving. You know, again, ten years ago. I think we would think of one type of demographic for a river cruise, uh, older set, maybe 65 and up. Um, uh, but that has changed. We have we have specifically tried to change and evolve uh, our demographic. Uh, we have a, a lot of active excursions on our ships. We were the first company to offer touring bicycles. We carry touring bicycles on the ship. Um, we, we do active hiking. We have a fitness instructor, a wellness coach on the ship, so we're you know, we're trying to uh, keep people, you know, limber and do some yoga and Pilates and things like that in the morning. And then the other thing, the most important thing here is that our our partnership with Adventures by Disney has really changed the dynamic of who the AMA guest is because uh, in 2015, Adventures by Disney was looking for a river cruise company that they could partner with and they could charter ships and do families with children and adults. Uh, and they chose Ama Waterways. So that was a great thing. So well, any of our ships, any of our long ships that were built since 2016 now have um, uh, triples, quads, and connecting staterooms. Uh, so so you can, you know, family, you can travel with family members. Uh, this really helps I've brought my adult children on 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 different itineraries, so you're going to see people from you know late teens all the way up to your 80s. And what it's done was it, it's taken our average age of customer from high 60s, maybe 67, 68, down to I think the last year that we kept track was 2019 would be 54 and a half as the average age. 
So I think that's a wonderful thing. I think it stretches out the demographic. It it, it sort of adds another layer of experience because uh, grandparents might do one thing on an excursion. Adults might do something else. Kids could do their own thing as well. I know that when I travel with my, again, adult children, they don't always go on the excursion with myself and my wife. They do something else. They take the bike out. They go on a hike. Uh, and then we get back on the ship and we compare notes and we have these great stories and we compare photos. And it's it's it really does change the experience because if everyone on the ship does the same excursion that day, the standard excursion, the included excursion, let's say, with another company, and everyone's roughly the same age group, um, it, there's one story when you get back on the on the ship, right? So uh, we do like that uh, that ability, and again, the partnership with with Adventures by Disney really helps us there. We have a new partnership starting next year and the year after with Nat Geo, and we think okay. that will that will take our demographic in another direction, right? So, I, you know, it's, it, this is just uh, wonderful stuff, and I appreciate the question. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I know it is great to take a vacation with a larger extended family, uh, but there is definitely some time when you need space on your own. So it can be nice to, to be able to still vacation together, but then have some times when you're you're breaking off and doing your own. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so what is included with the cruise fare? Uh, so for AMA Waterways, inclusions are all of your meals, uh, any any food between meals. Uh, we, we serve tapas between lunch and dinner and same thing uh, after the entertainment in the evening. All of your excursions are included. Again, somewhere between five and seven options every day. In some, in some cases, uh, if we, we hit two ports in one day, it's those excursions as well. There's not, you're not limited to anything. Um, the beer and wine are always included uh, with your meals, including sparkling wine with breakfast. We do change the wines every day on the ship, whites and reds, fine wines. Uh, all of your food is included, as I mentioned. We have the sip and sail, as I mentioned earlier as well. And I think that's pretty much it. We can handle everything. We do your air. We do your transfers for you. We do the pre and the post. Um, but that's what's included. I think the only thing that's not included would be gratuities. Uh, and if you want to drink uh, at the bar after dinner when the entertainment is, uh, is is on the ship. Okay, great. Yeah, that's great. So what if someone's never cruised on AMA before? Do you have any like first timer tips? First timer tips would be look at the itineraries that you may want to do. And I think the two most popular itineraries would be the Rhine River or the Danube River. We have several options on both rivers. Um, you have to, obviously, you want to do this through your travel advisor and talk about what type of staterooms would you be comfortable in. Uh, most of our staterooms have twin balconies, but there are some uh, that that cost cost less that have fixed windows. So that discussion has to come up as to what would you be comfortable in. Uh, there's two trains of thought here. You're not going to be in your stateroom other than sleeping and and say showering. So it, maybe it's not that important for you to have a larger stateroom with twin balconies, or maybe it is right. So those are, I, I think my my best advice is to have a conversation with your travel advisor and talk about your other vacations, what you're used to. Um, what your expectations are, what do you like? What is the itinerary going to cover things that you like? Um, art, history, culture, cuisine, fine wines. Uh, is this, is this the stuff that you want to do and see? Um, we also have plenty of free time built into the itinerary so that the other thing I would, I would recommend here is that 
you do some homework on your own to figure out because we do we do have excursions included every day, but there's also plenty of time to get off the ship and explore on your own. So what is it that you want to do on your own time in your free time? And then sort of explore your options with your travel advisor. If I want to go back into Vienna at night, can I go to the opera house? Can I go to museums? Can I, is, you know, um, the, it depends what your interests are. So do some homework, but do it with a travel advisor because otherwise it's a lot to unravel. That is for sure. Okay. Um, so again, it's, I know it's a much smaller ship than an ocean cruise would be. What type of activities would be available for me on board the ship? Okay. So good point. On the ship, it is a much smaller ship. We don't have, you know, the, the fitness room is, is not huge, probably holds five or six people at a time. On the sun deck, you can do fitness activities, yoga, Pilates. There is a walking track on the sun deck. There is a heated pool on the sun deck with a swim-up bar uh, that you can use almost year-round from March through December. Uh, there is a, um, a jacuzzi on the sun deck as well. Um, there is entertainment on the ship every night. There's entertainment. You can opt to stay in the guest lounge and, and, and take in the entertainment, or you could get off the ship and do something on your own. Uh, the other thing we have a salon, we do massages. We can do, you know, we do hairstyling, things like that. There's a gift shop, but again, it is different than an ocean cruise in that when we're in port, the idea really is to be off the ship. You, you know, it's, it's your floating hotel, so to speak. And when we're in port, you know, whether you're with us with, on a guided excursion or off on your own with some of our, you know, best advice or something like that, it, it's, we don't get offended if you leave the ship, uh, you know, several times uh, during the day. We understand that's most of the owners were originally from Europe. They're very proud of these, of these towns and cities, these medieval towns and cities that we visit. So think about that as well. The, the ability to get on and off the ship as long as we are important. That is fabulous. And you got me sold when you tell me you have a jacuzzi on board. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what's your next one? All right. So now this is going to be a really broad question, but I want to dream a little bit because I cannot wait to get on a real cruise. And you've talked about excursions a little bit. What are some examples of excursions that someone may choose? And then I've got a couple of sub questions in there. Sure. Are, are we traveling around in big groups? How does that work? You know, is it kind of like an huge mass of people and then are there opportunities to kind of take advantage of some of the local festivals in the areas or local events absolutely on on all check the box on all of those so yes we look we always look to uh if there's a wine tasting event a beer tasting event a chocolate tasting event whatever the event is uh, we we do the Christmas markets uh, in at Christmas time. We we have Jewish heritage visits. Uh, we do wine tours, obviously a lot, depending on where we are on the river and what country we're in. And for Ama, each of our excursions would end with what we call some type of specialty tasting. So uh, on the Danube, there's a small town called Dernstein. And there they make, you know, like most of the apricots that are made in uh, in Austria come from Dernstein. So there's apricot tasting and you can get jams and you can get wines and spirits and things like that. It's a lot of fun. But that's sort of in Belgium, there's, there's chocolate tasting. Uh, in the, uh, Last year I was in uh, Gouda or they say Hauda in Holland and we did a cheese tasting. We tasted some, some of the best Hauda Gouda cheese I ever had in my life. So this is how we like to end 
an excursion because you have a wonderful time walking around with, with some fellow passengers and a local guide. And then we bring you into a pastry shop, a wine cellar, a beer garden, and you meet the owner and you're doing something different. You're, do, you're with the locals. You know, you're doing something uh, exclusive to AMA. And um, it, it really, you, you remember that particular day where you were uh, through what you tasted or what you experienced. Maybe it's a cooking class or something like that. So I really like that. Um, and we do take advantage of uh, festivals and things like that. In 2022, there's a huge um, horticultural festival called Floriad. It's just outside of Amsterdam. We are going to include a visit there. It's once every 10 years. It's a big deal for people that are into gardening, uh, horticulture, um, you know, green earth policies, things like that. It's a huge draw. And we've included on eight of our Rhine and, uh, and uh, Holland Waterways itineraries. So we're always looking for the festivals because we want you to be with locals and, and, and do what, what everybody's doing. Fabulous. I, I, I really want to do, I want to go check out those Christmas markets. I, I don't know a lot oh, about them, but I, I've heard, you know I mean, that it's gorgeous. So I, you know, would they're, love to check that out. They're a lot of fun. Um, okay. So we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier about the partnership that Ama Waterways has with Adventures by Disney. Uh, can you explain what their offerings are? Today's Main Street to the World episode is proudly brought to you by Coasters and Castles Travel. Ready to bring your travel dreams to life? Look no further. Coasters and Castles Travel is your ultimate full-service agency, specializing in a wide range of travel experiences. From Disney destinations and Universal Studios parks and resorts, to cruises, ocean, river, expedition, and luxury. All-inclusive resort vacations, luxury escapes, European adventures, destination weddings, group travel, special needs travel, adult-only getaways, and of course, family adventures. Our team of expert travel advisors is here to craft the perfect journey for you. Whether you're seeking thrilling theme park experiences or luxurious cruises, every detail will be tailored to perfection. And if the world of travel planning beckons you. Coasters and Castles Travel is currently welcoming applications for travel advisors. For more details, explore www.travelcnc.com or reach out via email at info at travelcnc.com. Now let's dive back into the excitement. Sure. I mean, I, I know it well enough. So the partnership works like this. The Ama Waterways guest would never be on the same ship with an Adventures by Disney guest. So what Disney does, they're such a large partner, such a large company, they will charter the full ship certain weeks of the year on certain itineraries. Mm -hmm. Okay. You would actually book that through Adventures by Disney. It's our ship. It's our staff. It's our cuisine. But because they take the entire ship that week, they get to customize the excursions. There's excursions for adults and excursions for children. There's a menu for adults and there's a menu for children. Um, 
it is a very upscale product. It's not there's no characters on board or anything like that. So so erase from your mind what happens at in Disney World or Disneyland. It's not like that. It's a more sophisticated Disney product. Um, but you can bring smaller children. So I, I know we we sort of discussed this last week. Um, you know, there's sort of a cutoff. You know, if 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 people come to you, if you have clients come to you and they have they want to travel as a family and the children are much younger. I would steer them towards the Adventures by Disney product. I think that it's a they'd have a much better experience. And if the children are older, I don't want to give a specific age to it, but if they're older and they're well traveled, uh, then you'd probably want to do the Ama Waterways experience, a little more cultural, a little more, a little bit more uh, immersive, and things like that. But they're both fantastic products. Uh, Adventures by Disney is a great partnership for us. We love having that on our resume. And they and they're really great to work with. They really are. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered the question. It does definitely. Yeah, that's great. And actually, it gives me a little follow up question: Is there a minimum age to sail? So that's a great question. Before we had the partnership with Adventures by Disney, I think in the catalog we had you know minimum age twelve. But now that we work with Adventures by Disney, we're not permitted to have a minimum age, right? So we don't technically have a minimum age because Disney can bring smaller children and they'll all be fine. However, um, as, a, as a travel advisor and, and, and having myself as your, as your AMA Waterways uh, representative, if you ask me, I would, we would qualify that. There's no minimum age, but uh, we would have a discussion. I would say to you, have you met the parents? Have you met the kids? What have they done in the past? Um, I have seen Children as young as I, I, I traveled maybe two summers ago, and there was uh, three generations: grandparents, parents, and the two boys, and they were twelve and fourteen. And I thought when I got on the ship, like, oh gosh, what are these guys going to do? Are they going to have enough to do? Mm-hmm. They had a blast. They were wonderful. They went off with their grandparents some days and did an excursion. They went off with their uh, with their parents other days on the ship in the guest lounge. They they were fully engaged. They were really well-traveled. They were, they were just, you know, sort of wise beyond their age. But I know of other instances where we've taken a family group and the group leader has talked us into allowing children that are younger, six, seven, eight, and it hasn't worked out that well, right? So we've learned from experience. And, and honestly, April, if you came to me and asked me, you know, I have a great client, but the kids are single digits, I, I would say, let's, let's steer them towards Adventures by Disney. Yeah, that's great. Now, do you have handicap accommodations on board or, you know, is there accessibility that they can get around the ship? So there's some, but not a lot. It depends on the ship. It depends on when the ship was built. Uh, you know, in many of these parts of Europe that we're visiting, they truly are medieval uh, towns and cities. You're visiting castles that are 1200 years old, 800 years old. So you don't see ramps, you don't see elevators or what they call lifts in Europe. Um, so we do have a program for people that have some mobility issues, and that's the Gentle Walker program, where we don't we have two local guides with them, uh, not one, and we choose a different route. Nobody's going up steep grades. We don't make people do steps, uh, and if we have to, we will put them in um, you know a transfer vehicle or a cab or something like that. Um, that said. I think the best ship for someone that uses a wheelchair sometimes, if you if you use a wheelchair off the ship, uh, we can accommodate you, provided what type of wheelchair it is. But the Ama Magna, this is our double-width ship on the Danube, is the only ship we have with 
elevator to all levels. Okay, so the Alma Magna has elevated to all levels, and the fact that the ship is double the width of basically any other ship in Europe means that the corridors are wider. So a little more friendly uh, if you have someone who's who really has uh, challenges walking around the ship. Okay, but that and again, it's a case by case. Again, I you know the, the, there's no hard and fast rule because everyone's different. Everyone's ability is different. I've traveled with people that walk. Uh, that walk with a walker. They've been fine on our on our uh, gentle pace tours. They've been fine on the ship. I've traveled with people that use um, a wheelchair. Sometimes they've been fine. I've traveled with people that walk with canes and they've been fine. But we'd have to sort of thrash it out to see where where is that person and who are they traveling with is the other very important um, uh, very important thing to consider here because we're not you know, liability laws preclude us from helping people. Uh, you know, push a wheelchair, things like that. If something happened to somebody, uh, that would that would be a no-no by, by European standards, right? So it, the other part of that question is, who are they traveling with? Is someone that's traveled with them before and can help them uh, and understands their needs? Yeah, I think one of the challenges too is, is and I know one of our agents took um, one of the Adventures by Disney cruises uh, in 2019, I think it was. And um, she mentioned that sometimes the ships actually will do what, what I used to call rafting off where you're actually going across another ship to get onto shore because there's so many ships in these markets. And so, you know, that's not something you'd be able to do with a wheelchair. So the person would have to be able to walk at least some. You're, you're exa- that's brilliant. I'm glad, you know what, I forgot to bring that up. So thank you for saying that. So what happens sometimes when you raft, sometimes you raft and you just walk through the lobbies on three ships, not a big deal. But when the ships are not built in the same country, the, the lobbies don't line up. So you mm-hmm. might have to go to the top deck and then down and then across and then the top deck and then down. And that is very difficult. So and again, to bring you back to the the Ama Magna uh, example, the ship is so large and so it's unique in, in size and shape. Other ships do not raft off of it. It has its own unique parking space or docking space wherever we go. So that might be something you consider if you have somebody that really wants to go and you know really thinks they can do it. You're not sure. Maybe you look at the Alma Magna. I just think you'd have more opportunities to, to do something like that. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. Um, so this one here is near and dear to my heart because I'm affected by this. Um, but if somebody has an allergy or a dietary restriction, can Amo Autoways help them? And then I'm also going to add on to that. How is it for picky eaters, people who you know um, okay. have an um a uh, simple palate. I'll list it that way. Yeah, I, I I refer to my wife's palate as a narrow palate. Okay, so oh, um, we'll take we'll take the palate. We'll take the picky eater question first because my wife is a picky eater, and I actually do all the cooking in my house, and I have to check all the ingredients before I you know, I make something in the evening. But so um, we have two menus every day. So we have a European. Let's say we're on the on the Danube. There's a European menu that changes every day, depending on what city we're in, what country we're in. It's all regional. It's all fresh. It's all sourced locally. But we know that some people are a little fussier than others, or they get sick of eating, say, some fish that they're not used to after a couple of days. That's usually what happens to my wife. She's, had, she's, she's a trooper. She'll try some of the fish, and then she'll say, I need a steak. Uh, so we have a standard menu, a set menu that doesn't change. You can get a T-bone. You can get a New York strip. You can get a baked potato at dinner. You can even get a cheeseburger 
with fr- a basket of French fries. Uh, well, I think we, I think technically we're supposed to call them Belgian fries over there. I don't know, but, um, uh, that's funny. <laughs> but so we do accommodate that part of it. And then to go to the first part of your question, I also have, I can use experience for my wife is because she has celiac. So she, she needs a gluten-free diet in most cases. And all you have to do is notify your travel advisor, you ladies, <laughs> uh, and, and you, they let us know. And then when, when the guest boards the ship, uh, one of the kitchen staff will come out and say, this is what we have written down for you. You're allergic to shellfish. Is this correct? We always double check. So we can accommodate all allergies. Not, And it's not such a hard thing to do. And more people than you would imagine uh, traveling these days have allergies. So it comes up a lot. So it's common. The only thing that we cannot accommodate is a kosher kitchen because the galley is not that big and you know if you know the kosher rules are pretty strict you can't really mix a lot of things so that's the one thing we cannot accommodate but dietary restrictions we can we're very good with that yeah it's hard because you know even when i go to other places sometimes they have their standard allergy menu well none of my allergies are standard (laughs) i'm allergic to ham i can have pork i can have sausage i can have bacon it's something to cure the ham with i'm allergic to hot peppers you know, okay. another one of things, um, and alluded to artificial sweeteners. So it's like you know all these weird allergies that are not standard. Right. You know, it's not yeah, the allergy, the dairy, the fish, the nuts, any of those things. Okay, but it's a it's a simple thing. As long as they give accurate information to their travel advisor and you hand it off to us accurately, it's fine. And then again, like I said, it's important that we sit down with people before they you know, share their first meal with us, before they have their first meal with us, and just say, this is what we have for you, right? Um, and then every night, there's always a vegetarian um, offering on all of the menus, breakfast, lunch, dinner, anyway. So that's not an issue. So, um, but yeah, we can, we, I mean, we, we do a really good job with, with cuisine and then catering to everybody's tastes. That sounds good. I, I could do the steak and baked potato every night and probably be very, very happy. So yeah. love that. <laughs> I would be a little bit more adventurous and try some of the the different foods depending on what they are. Um, but yeah, all set. All right. So now we have guests that want to come on board. What kind of documents do they need to have with them to be able to sail? And I know things are probably going to be a little fluid right now with COVID. I personally anticipate right. some of the rules changing, but w- right. what do we expect right now? So obviously, you know, it's you're right. It's in a state of flux. We read a lot of different things in the news we are starting to talk about, but we're staying flexible because we don't know. It's not, so you understand river cruising is different from ocean cruising. The CDC guidelines do not uh, pertain to us because we're operating in other countries. We're never in international waters. We're in, if you're on the river, you're either in Germany or you're in Austria or you're in the Czech Republic and you have to abide by whatever standard they have. Mm-hmm. So we, we're th- we're anticipating that you know the United States and the EU will have some type of uh, electronic documentation that is linked to your passport that says that you've been immunized fully, uh, and that we don't think that that's going to fully eliminate the need for testing. We think be tested maybe to get on the ship, tested to get off the ship. Where that testing occurs, we're not sure yet. At the hotel, if you do pre and post, at the airport, on the ship, we'll see. Uh, so these things remain in a state of flux. Uh, we are you know, we are based in California, but we're also based in Basel, Switzerland. So a lot of this stuff is, 
is coming out of, you know, Switzerland's one of the wealthiest countries in the EU. So we are, uh, you know, sort of ear to the ground, paying attention to all of these things. But we do anticipate there'll be some type of automated way to keep track of. I do think the best, if people want to be traveling internationally and cross-border, the best way to do it with the, the least amount of, of, uh, of difficulty would be to, ha- to be fully vaccinated, right? And have a way to, to prove that, right? Okay, sure. Okay. And um, again, because we've neither one of us have ever been on a river cruise, what do you think, what tips might you have be- for what to pack? Because, you know, we're going to countries we're not as familiar with. We don't know how much space we have in the cabins. Right. So, I mean, for me, and again, you know, my wife and I are different on this, but for me, and I travel on these quite a bit, um, I think you don't need to pack as much as you think you need to pack, right? If you're traveling in, in, in a nice season and good weather, in the daytime, you're just, you're wearing shorts and walking shoes or, 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 or comfortable sneakers. Um, you don't have to dress up for breakfast or lunch or anything like that. You don't need a lot of clothes. And then at night, we, it's been years since we had, you know, a rule where you had to put a jacket on as a gentleman for the dinner or the ladies had to put a dress on or something like that. We, we've relaxed that quite a bit. So it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like a country club casual for dinner. So you really don't need a lot of clothes. What I like to do is you can do laundry or you can have us do laundry on the ship. Uh, so I, I do tend to get some things laundered near the end of my, of my seven night cruise or my 10 night cruise, uh, just to, to keep with one piece of luggage. You know, if you're bringing two very large pieces of luggage, it can cost you as you go through the airports, harder to get around, things like that. Um, and then if you want to buy things, everybody likes to buy clothes or souvenirs or whatever, pack an additional piece of luggage, a soft piece of luggage. I always pack a soft piece of luggage. My wife and I do like to. Lynn, you mentioned the Christmas markets. We like mm-hmm. to go Christmas market season. We like to buy handmade ornaments for our tree back home. They're e- you don't they don't break for the most. They're made out of wood usually. They're light. They're easy. You bring some bubble wrap uh, tape, things like that, and and just you know so you so you're coming back with an additional piece of luggage, but it's not heavy and it's a carry on. So I like that. Change some money. You know, you talk about money, EU currency. Have some EU currency in your pocket for when you hit the ground. But please understand that, you know, it's Europe. They take credit cards. There are ATMs everywhere. Uh, depending on where you are, obviously, if you're going to Asia or Africa, it might be a little different trying to find an ATM uh, or trying to use your credit card. So that would be different. But in Europe, it's pretty much like the States uh, in that everything is, you know, um, you can you can have access to money or, or credit pretty easily. Um, when you do local shopping in markets and things like that, usually you want to use local currency, uh, cash wise, because you know if you, if you're getting something little from a vendor, maybe they're not going to take a credit card or someone something like that. They're not going to take U.S. U.S. dollars. But there's plenty of opportunities uh, to do that. And then the other thing is just I always 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 use a travel advisor to help you sort of what's my what are my air what what are my air options right so sometimes you can get a lower airfare but it's a connection heading west before you head east you know we all we all sort of know this uh, you don't want to leave from say Boston and go to Detroit to get to Amsterdam probably mm-hmm. not the best way to connect right things like that but maybe that's the the two for one air special right so you know my feeling is do what makes sense for you. Do what's comfortable. Do what takes. What's the best routing? As long as it's not 
too much more money when I'm, when I'm doing my planning. And this applies to me too. When I travel, when I travel, when I go on vacation, I do, I'll do a river cruise and I'll bring my family and I don't want to have a three or four hour layover or something like that. Right. So to save a hundred bucks. So uh, th- I think those are my, probably my best tips. Yeah. Sometimes that's a, a penny wise pound foolish type of situation. Yeah. You know, you gotta figure out what, what value your time is right. and um, if you're spending, you know, time going one way and then going back again, what's the length of the flight? You know, what is one of the weird things you don't even think about is when you're flying back into the country and you have to do your take your bags through customs at the first airport you come to. So it's not like you just don't worry about your bags until you get back to your home airport. Right. I you know, will say, I, I experience that. I will say this about um, coming back now. Because we're at rivers and we're not always leaving from a huge city, like you can fly nonstop from Boston to Munich, Amsterdam, Vienna, some places like that. But sometimes you're going to end up in Budapest in Hungary. That's not a nonstop flight, but it's an easy connection, say, from Budapest to Frankfurt and then Frankfurt to Boston. That's easy. So I do like the fact that when you clear customs in Boston, you're set because you've, you've gone through immigration on the other side. You just got to pick up your bags and, and, and get your car or, or get your transfer. So, um Usually pretty easy that way. Okay, great. Um, okay, April is his next one. Okay, so I just wanted to talk about the cabins a little bit. Now, you mentioned that some ships do have triples and quads, so they can hold three or four people. So are most of the cabins for two people? And, and what are kind of the bed situations like? And can someone sail alone? Yes. So um, most of the cabins are set up with a queen-size bed for people traveling as a couple, but it's actually on a track underneath. So if you had two brothers traveling or two friends traveling, you're not a couple, not a big deal. They just would separate that. They change the bedding. They just separate that. You've got two twins. Uh, You can travel as we call them solo travelers. Uh, many of our competitors would charge a what we call a single supplement in the industry, right? So sometimes seventy percent, eighty percent, maybe a hundred percent over what the 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 individual would pay. Uh, but we have a very generous solo traveler program. Our standard on solos is a fifty percent su- supplement. Currently, we have a promotion in place for all the larger staterooms. The uh, the balcony staterooms is only twenty five percent supplement currently. That runs through the end of May. Uh, make a deposit by then, and on the on the uh, the non balcony staterooms, it's only a ten percent supplement. So we we recognize the fact that about ten to fifteen percent of our clientele are traveling as solo travelers, and we we don't want to beat them beat them up too much with the with the supplement. So we have a very lenient policy there, and we do on some ships. April, uh, some of the different size ships in, in, in the French waterways. Again, the, the locks are different sizes. The ships are different sizes. We might only hold 120 passengers, 130 passengers there. Um, we actually have solo cabins where the cabin is made for one person. So the pricing doesn't have to be changed. This is We sell it as a solo. There's a twin bed in there. Um, and as far as the size of the staterooms, again, try to you can't think, you know, it's apples to oranges between uh, river ships and ocean ships. So on a river ship, we use every inch of space in the stateroom. The, the The beds are actually set quite high off the ground, so that when you um, when you get done unpacking, your luggage fits nice comfortably under the bed. There's two stand up closets. Let's say his and her. There's a bureau in each closet. You can hang stuff up. There's plenty of space for everything, and I think that 
um, the, the smarter travelers or the more seasoned travelers know, and I think this is, this is true on any kind of cruise, the, the, the more disciplined you are on keeping your stuff together when you're sailing, the better off you're going to be. If you're just taking stuff off every night and tossing it around the, the stateroom, uh, you know, you're going to have some clutter uh, third or fourth day in. So plenty of room in the, in the bathroom as well. Stand up, uh, shower, nice uh, sink basin. Um, and the shower has, you know, a handheld option or a standard option that's on the wall. Um, so it's, it's quite comfortable. And if you have something with a balcony, it's even that much more comfortable because you can sit outside in the morning and drink your coffee, sit outside in the evening, drink your wine. It's very comfortable. I love nice. balconies. So it's mm-hmm. super fun to have that option. Um, so this one might be a little hard because I know you work for the company and it's probably like, uh, and I don't have kids, so I really can't judge of myself, but you know, everyone says you have a favorite child. And I think most parents do, but more because it's a favorite in certain aspects. Right. So it doesn't mean that they love their children any different. Right. So speaking of your company, what is your favorite itinerary and or ship? So I think for me, I like the Danube River. Um, and we have four different itineraries. So we don't always stop in the same places on the different itineraries. But I like the fact that on the Danube, you can be in five countries on a seven-night cruise. So that is Germany, Austria, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Hungary. Um, and then when I do that, I love, like you said, I love all my children. I love the ships. But my favorite ship on the Danube is the Ama Magna, the double width ship, where the staterooms are really suites. They're, you know, our standard staterooms on the long ships are 225, 235, which is a very good size for our industry. But on the Magna, you know, they, they, they jump from 250 to 350 and then 475 square feet uh, suites. And you really feel like you're in a hotel room. It's, there's a lot of space. And you have four restaurants as opposed to two restaurants. on the, on the So I do, I have to say that is my favorite ship. I don't always get the opportunity to travel on that ship because we, as, a, as an employee, guests come first. I get second, yeah. <laughs> I get second fiddle on that. Uh, but I want to say also, I have another favorite ship and another favorite itinerary. It's just not something I would do as often. Um, two years ago, I had the privilege of leading a group of travel advisors uh, on the Mekong River. And I was able to travel with my, my adult son. He's in his late thirties. And it was, you know, there's not a lot of Westerners that are sailing on the Mekong River. I mean, Cambodia is like going back in time hundreds of years. I mean, I think only, you know, two thirds of the country even has electricity and the people are beautiful and the food is very unique, very different. Um, I, I, and the ship is beautiful. The ship, the ship there is all like French colonial, very different style than what we have in Europe. It's mahoganies and teaks and all these beautiful mm-hmm. woods and very um, elaborate designs of, of the furniture and the colorings. And just um, so those two, I would say the Danube for Europe. And I'm going to say the Mekong in Southeast Asia on the Amadara, a beautiful, beautiful Asian ship that we have going there. Fabulous. I want to go. <laughs> so on that note, and I know people are, you know, still kind of nervous a little bit, or we have still state restrictions in place. How far out can someone reserve their space? So we are well aware that that there's a big spectrum of, of what folks think and what everyone's comfort level is. So back in January of this year, we opened our inventory for all of 2023. So we're giving people the option of, you know, 2022 has been open for uh, almost a year now. 
so you, if you're, and if you're still not comfortable traveling in say a year from now, let's say, um, you can look, you can book with your travel advisor for 2023. And we are receiving quite a few bookings for 2023. It is, gives you two year plus window. Um, you only are, you only need a $400 deposit to hold your space, to hold your specific stateroom. Uh, we don't look for a, f- a final payment until 90 days out. And you have, you can put something really neat on your calendar, right? You can you can circle something, put some hope on the calendar, and then sort of you know mark off the months and, and so on and so forth. So you have through the end of December 2023. I just took a group booking yesterday for a French uh, Christmas market cruise um, on the Rhone River. So uh, I was excited to see that. So that's how far out people are booking, right? And so wow. um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's fabulous. We definitely have to get ourselves on one of those ones. Um, so again, kind of thinking about the times that we're in, you know, people that might book one, but then they they really don't have that comfort level. Uh, what is the cancellation? That's a great question. This is the this is the sixty four dollar question with pretty much I, I would guess every vacation option that you're looking at or showing to your clients these days for Ama Waterways. The standard cancellation policy is a $400 deposit. If you cancel anytime after you've made that deposit, and that's per person, uh, you'd lose 50% of that. So if you can, if you book something on April 1st and then three months from now you cancel it, uh, you'd lose 200 of the $400. However, we understand what's going on. So we have, just like many other suppliers now, we've added you know, travel waiver insurance, cancel for any reason insurance, things like that. Uh, there is something called Travel Waiver Plus, and if you're buying our insurance, uh, it's only oh, what is it? I think ninety-nine dollars, and you can cancel for any reason and move your trip to any date. Uh, it's a store credit, so even if you got even if you got to, you've already made full payment, and you're two days out or twenty-four hours out, and just said bad hair day, uh, you don't lose any of your money. Uh, so I think that's that's what people are looking for to to sort of that's the first hurdle I would say that as people start to look at these uh, itineraries and make start their planning and make decisions is what is you know what what can I lose you know so um, you'll see that the travel waiver plus uh, and that covers by the way the travel waiver plus covers air anything you've purchased with us whether or not it's our product so transfers air hotel. Uh, anything you bought from us is fully covered. Insurance gets moved forward. Every the full value gets moved forward. You don't lose a dime on that uh, using that option. Wow. That sounds fabulous. Um, <sighs> April, I'm, any other questions you can think of? I do. I actually have just a couple little ones. Now, one thing for me, I get motion sick on most everything. So honestly, it intimidates me a little bit on an ocean cruise because I don't know if I'm going to get sick and I don't want to go on vacation and spend it sick. How would river cruising be a plus for me? Uh, it is a plus because you're you're on a, sh- a ship that's developed for a river. It's got a flat bottom, right? Um, and my wife is the same as you. And the very first time I took my wife on the Danube many years ago, she had Dramamine and she had the wrist the wrist uh, bracelets. So she had everything. Oh, Even yeah. though I'm I'm her husband, I work for the company. I tell her, you know, ad nauseum. You don't get motion sickness on a river ship. You can't even hear the engines. The engines are so efficient. Um, you know, it's it's you, you can't hear them. And it and most times um, the water is so calm. 
there is a current, but the water is calm. There's no waves or anything that you can't even tell we're sailing. So the first time that we sailed together, she kept after me, she kept saying, let me know when we start moving because I want to take some Dramamine. And I said to her, honest to God, we've been sailing for a half an hour. Okay. (laughs) So look at, I said, look at the shore and see that we're passing things on the shore. Okay. So that is actually in one, that's one of the most common questions asked of us about uh, motion sickness and seasickness, but it really doesn't, uh, it doesn't really pertain to river cruise. Oh, so excited. All right. And I did have another question too. I know that with some river cruises, um, kind of their, their daily procedure is a little different. Some will sail during the day and dock at ports in the evening. Some will sail at night. How does AMA Waterways um, sail so that way you get the, the biggest bang for your buck? So it's usually, it goes by what is the touristic value of where are we sailing? Uh, what river are you on? What is there to see? Uh, we would never uh, sail at night. Like for example, I'll use an example. On the Rhine River, there's something called the Rhine Gorge. Most people that go on the Rhine River want to see German castles. Well, there, uh, the Rhine Gorge is a stretch of the Rhine River that's about 28 kilometers long, and you pass about 43 authentic castles, medieval castles, on, dotted on each side of the river. It's brilliant, and there's uh, a narration. So we make sure, you know, we we will tweak the itinerary to make sure that we're doing that stretch of river just after lunch. It's daytime. Every we ask people to go to the go to the sun deck. We're going to do a narration. We're going to tell you which castle is which. You're going to take a lot of photographs. You'll be drinking wine or what have you. So it depends on that, April. And there's in in there's different. Uh, there'll be places on, let's say, the Danube where we're in Vienna. Vienna is the capital city of Austria. So we get there before lunch. We have lunch. We stay there overnight because we know a lot of people are going to want to go out. That's the night where not a lot of people will stay on the ship for our local uh, entertainment. They'll go back into the city and have uh, have a drink somewhere or or take in uh, take in an uh, an opera on their own or do something. You know, there's so many things to do. And this is goes back to what I said earlier: is that with your travel advisor, you should really do some homework. And like, I'm going to be in Vienna for a day and a half. What is there to do on my own time? Right. So. The question is a great question, but it's this is one of the differentiators is how well, how thoughtful is the itinerary put together so that there's no dead time where you're doing nothing, right? Um, we, we do it so that everybody is where they want to be, and if they want to be off the ship, we give them more time that day. If it's a smaller town, it's really just a small town, we might have a 45-minute excursion and then coffee and Danish in town, and then we're moving again. Right, so it depends where we are. It depends on the uh, on the on what there is to do along the river. That, that Rhine in. Gorge is you're talking my language. <laughs> I am yeah, we need such to a castle. And honestly, I would not. I don't even think I would have time for taking a wine, taking a glass of wine. I don't drink very much anyway. But I would be like, okay, too late. I don't have time for that. I gotta take pictures. I gotta. Oh my God, you know, I gotta yeah. take these out because I am gonna be just absolutely enthralled. I am obsessed with castles. No shortage of castles in Europe. So no matter where you go. And they're all different in style. Some are Romanesque. And, you know, in in France, they call them chateaus. But technically, they're they're still castles or manor homes. Um, So the styles uh, and the architecture change a little bit. But pretty much everywhere we go in Europe is just loaded with castles. That was actually part of our name. I know people probably think it has to do with Cinderella Castle um, and the other Disney castles. That was part of it. But when we talked about our name, we also were looking at 
you know, castles in other parts of the world mm-hmm. to kind of bring in that world factor to our, our traveling. Um, so I actually did think of another question that I had, and I know this is something that people ask all the time. Um, how is the environmental footprint of an AMO uh, cruise? You know, the single-use plastics, that type of stuff. Yeah, we're, we are... We're, again, we're very innovative. We're ahead of the curve on most of that. We got rid of plastic bottles a couple of seasons ago. Um, we, we, we have refillable uh, glass, large glass bottles that, that in, in the cabin every day. Um, and we, we do think about these things. And some of it is still, um, you know, some of it is trial and error. It's not that easy. If you think about some of these things, because everyone uses plastic bottles. So it took us a couple of sailing seasons to figure out how do you replace plastic bottles? How do you uh, minimize your carbon footprint? Things like that. How do you have less garbage at each at each stop and things like that? Because you're, it's, it's, it is a floating hotel where, where you know, we're eating and so on. Um, so we are, we started this before it became fashionable, just because it, it makes sense. Again, because our crew is from Europe, we, you know, we, you know, the owners are part European. So this is an important thing for us. With regard to the ships and the engines and admissions and things like that, every generation of ships gets exponentially better at this. And we used to, if you look at a ship that's just 10 years old, it'll be two larger engines on the ship. And yeah, they do have some emission, okay? They're still pretty quiet, and they're not as bad as, as, as something much larger, but there's some emission there. But now you look at, I look at something like the Ama Magna, which is a huge ship. It has four uh, smaller uh, Mercedes-Benz engines, okay? And you can't even hear them. There's very little emission. So every year we build a ship, and we build one or two ships a year, Um we get better at this stuff, okay? And the same thing with, you know, um, you know, water bottles and water waste and things like that, and how, and how you handle these things. Um, it, a lot of it is trial and error. It's not easy to do to just say, okay, I want to be completely green by, and then you pick a date. Um, when I see large companies, I mean, mega companies do this, pick a date. You know, I won't m- mention it. I'm not talking about anything in the travel industry, but I see these mega companies just say, we're going to be carbon neutral by a particular year. I think, how do you know that? <laughs> it's it's a, it's such a hard thing to know, you know. So, um, but it is it is top of mind, and it is something we take seriously. It's not a gimmick. Uh, it's something that we, you know, we're really uh, trying to do our best at that. And and w- with some of the um, the uh, other destinations like Africa and Southeast Asia, we also contribute a lot to local communities. We we give back to schools. Buddhist temples. We do a lot in Africa. Uh, we we donate a lot in Africa and Southeast Asia because these are places that yes, they need our tourism dollars, but they also need our help with a lot of stuff too. So there's a lot of thought that goes into how do we help the you know we want access to these places, want to visit these places, but we also want to help these people, right? So um, that just makes sense for everybody. So there's a lot of that that comes into play when you travel on these exotic destinations. That's fabulous. I know that's so top of mind for so many people nowadays. So that's why I wanted to bring that one up. Um, April, did you have another question? I don't. I think I've pretty much covered everything other than I just need to get in and start picking out some cruises. And then we just need to work through trying them all. So I did actually think of one more. And this will be my last one, I promise. Um, and it's something you mentioned to us when you did the webinar with us. And I think this is so important, especially with 
some of the uncertainty that has happened with travel companies over the past several years, even before COVID. Um, And I know you mentioned to us that the company does not have any debt on any of its ships. That's correct. You own them all outright. So I think, you know, I mean, to me, that says that and it's kind of more of a statement, I guess, than a question. But um, it says that the company is stable. Yes, the, so the company people- is is very financially stable. Uh, the ownership of the company is very frugal. We'll only build a ship uh, when we can pay for it up front. And I did mention this to you last week. We built three new ships this winter because they were ordered last winter before COVID. Uh, and since they were paid for, there's nothing that would keep them from being completed. Now, we, we did have a few slowdowns. Like in uh, the, most of the, the European ships are built in Rotterdam in, in the Netherlands. Uh, but when, so when COVID was, when they had to shut down, then you know, a lot of the workers couldn't show up. So those ships were maybe delayed by a couple of months, but those ships are in the water now. And we have a ship we're building in, uh, in Egypt that is now built. It's in the water now waiting for us to, to start our Egypt itinerary on the Nile in September. Uh, but that is a very important thing, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, it's one of the reasons that I am still fully employed and your and your local sales manager, uh, because we didn't really have to change much with regard to our employees or staffing or anything like that, because the owners um, just are very thoughtful, considerate, bright people that save for a rainy day. And I can remember the day about a year ago now, it was in April, and things were starting to shut down all over the world. And Rudy addressed the entire company across, you know, people in Asia, people in North America, people in in Europe. He got us all on this massive Zoom call and said, this is a rainy day. We got this. You're okay. We're all okay. You're going to help your travel advisors navigate through this. And we're going to come out of this on the other end better than most of our competitors. And I think we're we're sort of poised to do that now. Yeah. I just think even before COVID, there were so many companies that went out of business. Um, Suddenly, it was like, Right. Oh, the doors are closed and now a bankruptcy and people were stranded. Like their money was right. gone, all that other stuff. And so I think that's important to people, you know, especially after COVID, considering all the other losses that people have gone through. Right. They want to make sure that they're putting their money with a company that's going to be solid. Right. Debt in the travel industry, debt is well, I should say in any industry, debt is not a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's it really hamstrings you or limits what you can do in a financial downturn, right? So um, again, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. I'm happy that you sought me out. I'm blessed to be here. Um, I, I love the company I work for. I love our product. I love the owners. But it is their planning, by the grace of God, that we're in such, such a good sh- position right now, right? Yeah. Well, we are so appreciative of you taking the time today to speak with our listeners. Um, hopefully, you know, we can help some people come on to the Ama Waterways uh, River Cruises and just have the time of their lives. Uh, you know, April and I are definitely at the top of our list to get something booked for ourselves so we can mm-hmm. come check it out. Um, we're super excited to to be able to do that. And and once we've done it ourselves, we'll have to bring our families on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we will have. To. I know. My husband would love it, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think just, you know, us experiencing it first would be great. And then we can kind of go from there. But we do thank you so much for your time today. And uh, we, you know, wish you a great day. And, you know, for those who are listening, we do thank you again for your likes, shares, and subscriptions. Have a great day. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the Main Street to the World podcast, your gateway to the wonders of travel. We hope you've enjoyed this exploration of new destinations and unique experiences. 
If you're ready to embark on your own unforgettable journey, remember that Coasts and Castles Travel is here to make your dreams And that wraps up another exciting episode of the Main Street to the World podcast, your gateway to the wonders of travel. We hope you've enjoyed this exploration of new destinations and unique experiences. If you're ready to embark on your own unforgettable journey, remember that Coasts and Castles Travel is here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the magic of theme parks, the luxury of exotic getaways, or the thrill of cruising, our expert team has you covered. Visit our website at www.travelcnc.com to discover a world of travel possibilities. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode filled with travel tips, destination highlights, and inspiring stories. Feel free to connect with us on social media. We're under Main Street to the World on both Facebook and Instagram. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the Main Street to the World podcast, your gateway to the wonders of travel. We hope you've enjoyed this exploration of new destinations and unique experiences. And this sucks. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the Main Street to the World podcast your gateway to the wonders of travel. We, we hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new destinations and unique experiences. April, Whitney, and I certainly thank you for listening today. If you're ready to embark on your own unforgettable journey, remember that Coasts and Castles Travel is here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the magic of theme parks, the luxury of exotic getaways, or the thrill of cruising, our expert team has you covered. Visit our website at www.travelcnc.com to discover a world of travel possibilities. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode filled with travel tips, destination highlights, and inspiring stories. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Main Street to the World to share your thoughts, experiences, and suggestions for future episodes. Thank you for tuning in to Main Street to the World. Until next time, keep exploring, keep adventuring, and keep making memories all around this incredible planet of ours. Safe travels, all!